if you would now turn to the scriptures, if you would take copy of the scriptures and open up to the gospel of Luke, we are working our way through Luke, and here we are in chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Before we read, let's go to the Lord again in prayer, asking for his blessing upon his word. Remember, we need the Spirit to open up our eyes and hearts, or lest we are here in vain. So let's pray for for God to to work and to move among us in that way. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, again, we are thankful that you are not silent. You are not a God in just some distant land, but that you are here now by your Spirit. Lord, I, I do pray that you would give us understanding of your word, that we might better understand who you are, that we might better not simply know your love, but experience your love and cleansing this morning in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen. People of God, hear God's word this morning from Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He who has ears, let him hear the word of God. Please be seated. Have you ever been in a a situation where you've been to the hospital or you've been to a doctor's visit and you've had to wait for the results, not knowing what the results might be, whether they might be good results or maybe poor results? Maybe your loved one is in an emergency room and you have to wait for the doctor to tell you the extent and how deep this particular cut might be, or maybe a damage to a particular son's eye, or um, a brain scan is clear or not, not that I have any of those from experience. But maybe yourself, you've been in a situation like that, and maybe you're not simply just having to wait for a moment and maybe a, a, an hour or so, but maybe you've had to wait a few days or maybe even a weeks to get a phone call from a doctor to tell you the results of maybe a biopsy that you had, of something that you found in your body that wasn't supposed to be there. And is, is that a dangerous little lump or somewhat benign? Waiting to hear the results can be and feel maybe just as painful as receiving the diagnosis. Here in our text, if you were a Jewish person in the days of Jesus and you woke up with an abnormality in your skin, you'd have to then go to the priest and the priest would put you through an extensive process. That process is laid out in Leviticus 13 and 14 to determine if you have just a minor skin affliction or if you have the dreaded leprosy. And while you're waiting, waiting for the priest to make this determination, waiting for time to pass, 
You're waiting to hear these results and you start to think not only might I be diagnosed with a miserable illness where my body parts will become numb and then I, my body will start to be disfigured in various ways, I might be declared unclean. And if you're declared unclean, you're not going to be returning home. If you have this illness, the priest comes in and tells you you have it, you're not going home. You're never going to get to touch, hug, embrace your loved ones again. In fact, they can't even come within a hundred yards of your presence. You can no longer go to synagogue. You could no longer be in the presence of God. You were exiled. Not only were you going to lose your health, you're going to lose your livelihood. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose all those loved ones around you. And here you are waiting, waiting to hear the results. Leviticus chapter 13 says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their hair of their head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has a disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The priest comes in and he declares, unclean, unclean to you. And then you're placed outside in the wilderness. Remember, this is a time, no phones, no FaceTime. There's no communication. You can't contact other people. And we've been through a time of isolation for a few months, even years, but this man probably now for decades is isolated. He can't write. And if someone accidentally turns the corner and is too close to him, he must cry out, unclean, unclean, and scare that person away lest they become too close and unclean themselves ceremonially. He will watch people's horror when they catch a glimpse of his now repulsive complexion. He will live a life hearing children cry and run away scared from him. He'll watch people plug up their noses at the stench of his decaying body as it wafts through the air. And there's no cure for this disease. And this is where our text begins today with this man. In verse 12, it says, While Jesus, that is, when Jesus is in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. He'd been alienated. He has this dreaded disease. He's rejected by men, despised by the people. He's been pronounced unclean. He's not welcomed in homes, no more funerals to attend or marriage ceremonies. He's not allowed to. There is no come as you are for this man. You've heard that. Come as you are. God would not allow this man to come into his presence. He is unclean. He is not allowed. There is no come as you are for this man. Jesus is the only man who can make this man clean. Jesus is the only person who can heal this man of this dreaded disease and cleanse him. And in this text, what I want us to see today is the all-surpassing supremacy of Jesus Christ, the great power of Jesus Christ. He does it once again. 
not only do we see the supremacy of Jesus, we see Jesus' sympathy, Jesus' care, and then last, the submission, the obedience of Jesus. And my desire for all of us this morning is that we too will see our need for Jesus, that we too will see a need of our Savior, that we too will see the need for a great physician to heal us from our infirmity, just like this man. So here we have the supremacy of Jesus. We have this man with leprosy. And somehow, don't know how, but somehow he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about the power of Jesus. He's heard what Jesus is capable of doing. He's heard about the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus is this man's last hope. Dr. Luke tells us that this man is full of leprosy. It's an advanced case. This is stage four leprosy. It doesn't get worse leprosy. It is full all over him. There's not an area of his body that isn't contaminated. There's not an area which you can touch and not be considered, and there's not an area where you can touch and you wouldn't be considered unclean. It's all over him. It's affecting all of him. We're told here that Jesus is in one of the cities And now I'm sure whatever city that might be, the people are horrified who are in that city who now watch this unclean, leprous man enter this city with his last hope to find Jesus. And in verse 12, it says, And when he saw Jesus, he fell down on his face, and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He finds Jesus. And he begs Jesus. He realizes, I'm helpless. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing no one else can do. And notice here, he doesn't say, you can heal me. He says, you can make me clean. You know, all the other healings that Jesus does, he says that Jesus healed them. But here, the man doesn't simply want healing. He wants to be cleansed. Because he is recognizing that There's a spiritual category here. He recognizes that there's more that Jesus needs to do than simply just take this physical illness away, that there is a cleansing. There's not something just outward, but also something inward to be healed of. Leprosy was something that God used, and we read it in Isaiah. Leprosy was an illustration that God gave to show us our spiritual condition. Leprosy is to be a picture of our hearts, in fact. Our sin makes us unclean. Our sin is what disfigures us. Sin puts us in a state of living death. Isaiah tells us in his book in the first chapter, why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick. The whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. And you see what Isaiah's doing there. He's uh, making this connection and this illustration of wounds and disease and connecting it to the rebellion of our hearts. And this is what I think God wants us to see in the giving of this account and what Luke is doing here with this man is not that you see this man in the external disease and the, the decay of this man, but to see yourself, to see your hearts, 
to see what this man exhibited externally is what you and I by nature exhibit internally in our hearts. That our hearts are leprous and diseased and dying and decay and it reeks before a holy God. This is what Peter saw about himself, if you remember from last week. And he says, I'm a sinful man, not just there's parts of me that do, you know, I've done some bad things here and there in my heart and I, you know, in my heart I have, you know, this struggle or that struggle. No, you are full of sin. You are full of this disease. There is no corner of your heart that is not touched by the disease of sin. And when you get a sense of the leprosy of your hearts, you will cry out with Paul, wretched man that I am, he will deliver me from this body of death. But just like Paul and this man, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here this man, he falls down on his face. Matthew's account says he worshiped. And that's the proper response to someone who sees the decay and the sin, the uncleanliness of their own heart is that we fall down on our knees and cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and worship him. And that's what this man does. He doesn't say, Lord, depart from me. He doesn't say, go away, I'm too sinful. He goes into the city, a place where he should not be. He does whatever it takes to get to his Savior, the one who can save you, save you and him. He does whatever it takes to get to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond to him in verse 13? Or I'm sorry, the, the man still, he, he's saying, Lord, if you will, make me clean. He doesn't say, I know you're willing, but I'm not sure if you can. No, he says, I know you can, but I'm just not sure if you're willing. Essentially, he's saying, Lord, your will be done. If this is your will, please take it from me. And then Jesus responds, I will be clean. Powerful words. The best words this man could ever hear. And what happens then? We are told immediately there is complete healing. Just like when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law from the fever, right? There's no grogginess in her. She's not waking up from a stupor. She begins to serve immediately. And here with this man, immediately he is healed. If there's in other accounts where God heals someone with leprosy, you remember Naaman, the Syrian general that God healed, uh, uh, cured from leprosy? We are told that when God cured him, his skin was like the skin of a baby's. You ever touch baby skin? You cannot stop touching baby skin, right? And so here you have a guy who no one ever touched him. They weren't allowed to touch him. But now you, you have the type of skin that everyone can't stop touching you. And that's what Jesus does for this guy. Maybe, maybe a little too much touching, right? No touchy. Jesus, again, he shows his power, his great power over sickness, over death, over disease. And Jesus is ultimately showing us his power over sin and death for sinners. Jesus, again, heals with the power of his word. I will be clean and it is done. Jesus is willing. You know, there is not one person who ever meets Jesus who approaches him in, in humility that Jesus doesn't heal. 
Whoever approaches Jesus in faith, whoever approaches Jesus with a humble heart, Jesus says, I will be clean. Are you willing to go to Jesus? Do you see your star, yourself, are you starting to see yourself uh, as someone with a leprous heart, a diseased heart, a sinful heart, even as we, we read the reading in, in God's law? Not there are people that I know that need to hear this sermon. Not that there are people out there who are diseased and decay and their lives are a mess. No, you. Do you see your heart as needing to be cleansed by Jesus? Do you cry out to Jesus and he will save you? But what's interesting here, not only does Jesus show his supremacy, he shows his sympathy. We're told right before he heals this man, he does something almost as equally shocking. We are told that Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. That was probably the first human touch this man had felt in decades. And Jesus doesn't have to touch him. Jesus' word is sufficient. He can just say it and it's done. Why does Jesus touch him? What's the point of that? Why does Jesus do that? Because our Lord is a God of compassion. He's a God that loves. He's a God that cares. He is sympathetic to our weaknesses. He was tempted in all ways that we are yet without sin. He knows our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses and that Jesus cares about us. Again, similarly, do you remember He didn't just tell Peter, come follow me. He could have done that, but he tells Peter, don't be afraid, because I know you're afraid, Peter. Jesus is so compassionate. He's so caring. He loves his people. He loves his bride. And you didn't touch lepers, because if you did, you too would become ceremonially unclean, and you'd have to go through washings And same if you touched a woman who had a flow of blood or a dead little girl, but Jesus does all of that. And why is Jesus doing all of this? Well, in Leviticus, not only do we read about the laws that are given about people with leprosy, a a few chapters later, in fact, only just two chapters later in Leviticus, there's something else that's laid out for us in the people of Israel, what they're to observe, and that is the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, there were some sacrifices that occurred. And there was also, there was a goat. And the high priest, Aaron, on behalf of the people, would put his hands, he would touch this goat. He would put his hands on the goat. And he would confess over the goat all of the people's iniquities, all of the people's transgressions, all of the people's sins, all of their uncleanliness. The sins of the people then were symbolically transferred to this goat and it was sent into the wilderness. It would become an outcast. It would be isolated. It would be let alone to die outside the camp. And you wanted that goat to die. Because that goat represented all of your sin. But who did that goat represent? Why is it that we don't have a goat up here this morning? And why aren't we laying hands on our goat and sending it out, you know, somewhere desolate? All of that in the ceremonial laws of Israel, all directing us to our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
Jesus is the clean one. Jesus is the holy one who reaches out and he touches what is unclean, that is us, so that we might be made clean. When Jesus goes to the cross, all the uncleanliness and sin represented by the leprosy of our hearts is imputed, that is given to him who was clean became unclean so that by faith in him, the unclean ones might become clean. If any of you are starting to memorize your verse of the month here at Bayhaven, our verse of the month is 2 Corinthians 5.21, which really summarizes our text today. And I could have just preached on 2 Corinthians 5.21, but I'm not working through 2 Corinthians, I'm working through Luke. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everything about the cross cries out, unclean, unclean, unclean. But by faith, all of your uncleanliness is given to Jesus Christ. And you receive the washing, you receive the cleansing, you receive wholeness. You are then returned from exile and brought into the presence of God and God's people. Jesus redeems us, no longer alienated from God. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then we see now Jesus submits. He also is submitting still to his father. In verse 14, it says, he charged him to tell no one. And I find that funny. Do you ever wonder, why, why does Jesus tell people that? You know, don't, don't tell anyone. Wouldn't, wouldn't Jesus want people to know about what he's doing and what's going on? Why does Jesus say, don't tell anyone? Because Jesus doesn't want, I think, is he doesn't want his ministry to be about healing. He wants his ministry to be known about the power of the good news of the kingdom of God. Remember, that's why he said, that's why he came. I'm not coming just so I give you a more comfortable life here. I'm just not taking away external leprosy so that you can live maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 more years without free of of pain uh, and and aches and body parts. I'm not coming just so uh, those who can Uh, weren't able to walk and now walk because what matters is your soul. What does it profit a man if he gains the entire world but yet loses his soul, right? What does it profit this man if he's free from his leprosy but isn't putting his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? It profits him nothing. And so Jesus doesn't want his ministry to be known simply as a miraculous ministry. He wants his ministry to be known as the gospel that he came to save sinners. Now this man... He won't obey Jesus. In fact, he'll, well, we're told there later in our text that people will come and they just want to, they want to be healed from, mirac- they want to see miracles and they want to be healed. But Jesus is coming to bring true life, eternal life. And then Jesus says to him, go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for yourself, uh, uh, offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Why doesn't Jesus simply just say, you're clean, just go on your way, go back to your family now? Uh, you know, go, go live your life now. Because Jesus is still obeying. He is, uh, what we've seen so far in Luke is that 
Jesus obeys the law. He keeps the law. Uh, He's our law-keeping Savior, which is why he's our Savior, because the ceremonial law commanded that if one was somehow cleaned, though it would be miraculous if they were somehow, you know, leprosy-free, they had to go back to the priest, and the priest then had to verify that they were clean. If Jesus sent this man away, he would have rightly been accused of sinning and even encouraging this other person to break the law of Moses. But as Jesus says, the law is good. The civil and the ceremonial laws were good for Israel. They were a tutor to Israel. They, Israel was a, a, like a child underage, with, and these were but tutors teaching Israel, and all what they were doing is pointing them to Jesus. Now, when Jesus rises from the dead, he fulfills the law, again, which is why we don't have this whole goat thing going on. Jesus fulfills it, but they aren't not yet fulfilled. And so Jesus is still obedient to his Father. He's still honoring the laws that have been given to his Father. Jesus is telling this man, continue to keep the law. The law is good. Now, it's interesting that the law had condemned this man. If, you were, if you're this man, you would probably maybe hate the law because this was a, an Israel thing with this whole uncleanliness as it related to, the, to leprosy. Naaman is a Syrian man. He has leprosy, but he kind of, he's continuing on his life. He, he could still operate with other people. It was this, this whole law thing in Israel that made this whole uncleanness that was relating to our hearts that made this man isolated and lose everything. The law declared him unclean. The law had said he must live outside the camp in exile. The law had told him you can't have fellowship with God and people any longer. The law couldn't save him. The priest couldn't save him. It was Jesus who saved him. But now what Jesus is doing, which is interesting, he's making what this guy hated now something that he would love because now it is that very same law that this man gets to go back to the priest and say, look, I'm clean. You do the whole law stuff. Declare me clean. And that's what Jesus does with us too. Because Jesus heals us, we aren't condemned by the law any longer. We have been, we have been declared clean. And so now we get to go and live. We then get to live our lives as evidence of those whom Christ has healed. All right, so now, like we started, let's go back to the doctor's waiting room and you are patiently waiting for the results of the diagnosis. That door now finally opens and walks in the great physician, the great doctor, Jesus. And Jesus declares to you and he tells you, The wages of sin is death. And if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. But if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just and I will forgive you of your sins and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why will you not come to Jesus? Why would you not come to Jesus and be cleansed? Why remain in your sin and misery and outside the camp in exile to God when Jesus is ready and willing to make you clean? If you feel the ensnarement 
the condemnation of sin in your own hearts, if you feel your uncleanliness, your guilt, its vileness, its stench before God, fall down on your knees, fall down before the Lord Jesus Christ and cry out, if you are willing, make me clean, Lord Jesus Christ. And then hear the mighty voice of Jesus who declares to you, I will be clean. Let us go to the Lord in prayer, praising our faithful Savior who cleanses us by faith. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see our guilt, uh, the leprosy of our own hearts more and more, that we would despise it, we would hate it, and that we would flee to the Lord Jesus Christ because only in Christ can we be cleansed. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus is not hesitant to do it. He's willing and he's certainly able. Lord, let us come and let us be healed. Let us make us clean, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.